0: Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit. Full plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. CTMobile.com. You feeling stuck lately? Like life's passing you by? Get to know Maya. Acronym, My Ambition, Your Ambition. Reconnect with your dreams, your goals, your ambitions. Find your motivation and start to live the life you desire. Explore the Maya, My Ambition, Your Ambition podcast at mayaakai.com. Namaste, everyone. Welcome to what is an extension of my podcast, Maya, My Ambition, Your Ambition, which, you know, is a podcast that looks at embracing salient topics and it's forward thinking. But the key thing is it focuses on ways to kind of pull back the veil of self-doubt and self-sabotage that keeps you from achieving the things in life you look for. Um, Episode four is what this new kind of extension of Maya is about, which is Maya Reflection, which is... Every episode I I do is focused on someone bringing something back to me, and this is actually more of a reflection piece, and each episode will have it. So episode four, which was entitled You, Me, Myself, and I, I call it your own personal entourage, so to speak, um, talked about understanding who you are at the core of your person it's funny because people shy away from mental health which i say mental wellness is the word that i like to kind of refer to it as because people get nervous when you say mental health to them they think there's something wrong with me i'm not depressed i'm not crazy so hence mental health which is no different than the idea of health itself it's just saying it's more focused on your mental than opposed to your physical but it's kind of stigmatized to it whereas if you say mental wellness then people say, okay, we can talk about that. That doesn't make me uncomfortable. And that's really what my background is in. As you know, I've been working in mental health, as you know, as a sports person for 15 years. Um, I have a master's in clinical mental health counseling. So I'm a counselor working on my PhD. So I'll be a doctor, so to speak at some point. Um, but I wanted to share, and I, I wanted to get back to this because it's something that's near and dear to me. And it's something that control so much of individual's lives and they hate to admit that when you mentally struggle, you tend to struggle with everything else in your life. So hopefully you had a chance to check out episode four because Maya reflection is gonna kind of dig a little deeper into it because someone posed some questions to me and I thought out of fairness, I should help you understand it. So episode four, You can find that at mayakai.com. Of course, a link is attached to this that you can go back and listen to episode four or the other three episodes, which I think are equally as informative. But this is when we get into the meat and potatoes about mental wellness. Because unless you understand you, chances of you being successful in those, what I call relationship realms, the four Ps, that personal, private, professional, and pervasive realms, chances are you've been making the same mistakes repeatedly and you don't know why. Because chances are you've never gotten to know you the way that you should. And we change over time. At the core of who we are, it's consistent, but changes with age and experience tends to modify that. And episode four is focused on obviously you, me, myself, and I. And it'll be a part two to it because I couldn't really put everything into one episode. I try to keep them under an hour. And I said, well, you know what? It's worthy of a part two just simply because of the fact that there's too much to talk about with you. So a quick recap about what me, myself, and I, your personal entourage is about, Um, I used the something called attachment styles to help people to understand where a lot of your personality traits come from. There's four personality styles that are originate in childhood and kind of are the, the ribbon through your life. Um, there is the four styles are secure, which is autonomous. There is avoidant, which is dismissive. There is anxious, which is preoccupied. And there's disorganized, which is anxious and avoidant together, so to speak. I'm not going to dig totally deep into, this epi- into that episode. I want you to go back and listen to it. But I want to fill in the blanks for someone when they ask me questions like, you said a lot. And also FYI, because this isn't This is me talking to you and us being personal and transparent. Um, I left some articles for the research I did on the page so that people could kind of go back and read on this and and reflect deeply. So if you want to know more about the resources that went into the episode, if you go to mayadakai.com and you actually click on the podcast resources, episode four, you can read deeper into the attachment styles. We also talked about languages of love, which is how do you communicate with people about what your needs are? Do you know specifically what your need is so that one you understand why you need what you need, but more importantly, the person that you may be with, whether it's a significant other, whether it's parents, relatives, how and work, all these things play into how you process things. So Freud was the one who got in the beginning talking about human development and how it really originates in childhood, but the attachment styles do not come from Freud. It literally builds on the idea of psychoanalysis. So I'm gonna tell you who I am. And hopefully this will prompt you to wanna figure out who you are. Because remember, mental wellness is a thing that helps you to be great. I wanna share something before I jump into it. At my job, I work for Meta Health. Um, We had a moment of silence and reflective on what's going on currently in society. And we focused on, as a organization that's in healthcare, um, our CEO, specifically of our hospital, talked to within the black community, all of the different health issues that exist that made a lot of individuals predisposed or having issues if they contracted COVID. And it was very, it's things that I knew about. So our commitment was coming from a health standpoint. But what I wanna say is one of the speakers said something that I like to steal other people's great sayings. He said that good is the enemy of great. And you would say, what, how can you say that? And the reason that good is the enemy of great is because when you settle for good, you get comfortable might not push your health, yourself harder to achieve greater things for yourself. When you become complacent and comfortable, you tend to stick with it because comfortable is acceptable. Good is acceptable to, you, to yourself and often outside of you. So keep that in mind when you think about trying to strive to being your better self is are you settling for where you are right now because it's good and it's comfortable? Or do you really feel you've really achieved the most you can achieve in your life right now for who you are? That's hard because one of the things I talked about in episode four, key foundation of the conversation, understanding subjectivity and objectivity. It's hard to be objective with yourself, to look in the mirror and to call it like you see it. And most people can't do it, bottom line, because it's painful and it means you got to be transparent with you. Well, let me tell you something. If you can't be transparent with you, chances of you being that way with someone else or being healthy in the rest of your relationships are probably slim to none. You're going to be destined to make the same mistakes and not be happy. So understanding your attachment style is key. Go back and listen to episode four, mayakai.com, or just click the link above. So the person who said, Maya, tell me more about your attachment style, here's how it works. I'm a person who is generally secure in my attachment style. What that means is I am open to sharing with myself others. I'm comfortable with who I am. Um, I, don't have, I don't avoid things. I don't have high anxiety with things. I tend to be able to roll with things, go with the flow. That's me. The one part of my secure attachment style that does not fit, and mind you, attachment styles come from parenting, which means I had parents that were very nurturing and kind and loving, and they challenged me. They put me forth into the world and taught me how to fail as well as how to be successful. Because remember, without failure, often success doesn't make a lot of sense. You have to know how it feels not to be successful to know that you don't wanna keep feeling that way. But part of that as a child is when you do fail, how did your parents actually help you deal with it? Did you kind of just malinger in it and think that you were a constant failure at things? Or maybe when you didn't win a game or you didn't get the perfect grade, how did your parents work with you on it, key? So understand, attachment styles come from how you were nurtured as a child. An absence fully of nurturing can make you almost pretty much disorganized, which is that ancient ancient, and very avoidant person. So for me, I'm secure. The only part that I don't correspond with 100%, and I'm working on with being secure, so to speak, is the fact that people who are secure are happy with people and comfortable with people leaning into them for help, but they also don't mind being vulnerable and allowing others to help them. I absolutely have struggled with that. And I'll tell you where it comes from. It came from the fact that though I had very nurturing parents, and let me be clear about my background, I came from a single parent home, my mom, Um, My father wasn't in my life because my parents weren't married, but also my father lived abroad a majority of my early formative years, and he was in Europe and Switzerland until I was 13. So hence, those kind of bonds you normally would form with a parent, my father was missing because of time. This is why I always tell people time will always Trump money when it comes to what a child needs from its parents. So when people haggle over child support and don't want their child to see a parent because they can't pay, they have no idea of the damage they do because there is no price time on time. So if you're to be co-parenting with someone, I want you to know, read up on attachment styles so you can understand what your child might go through if you can't strike a balance. But with that being said, I struggle with the idea of allowing myself to lean into other people because. Within the narrative from my mother and my grandmother, because I was raised by women, very strong women, let me can't put another caveat. Never, ever said a negative thing about my father because he was a good man. It just didn't work between my parents and they kept it between adults. So that's the key thing. My mother, when I'd ask questions, be like you'll figure that out when you get older, or you ask him when you get older. Or we'll talk about this when you're older, when I think your insight's a bit more balanced. That was a good response to give me. With that being said, though, I was always taught you don't rely on other people to do things. You must be self-sufficient. Don't be afraid to take charge and get things done. So how is Maya at work? Maya doesn't let things just sit and not get done. When other people are floundering, I'm like, I got that. But the problem is I have a problem sometimes with letting other people do things, especially if I'm like, we're sitting here and this isn't happening and it's making me really uncomfortable. I'm also the kind of person because of that when it comes to being an emotional individual, I don't feel comfortable comfortable sharing with people how I feel, especially if it makes me feel vulnerable. If I feel like a person's put me in a spot that makes me emotionally inadequate, I absolutely want to pull away and not share that they make me feel that way. That doesn't truly fit fully into being a secure attachment style. I came to understand that because obviously I work in mental health. So one of the things that I began to understand is that I had to work on that. And the reason I had to work on that was because of the fact that it actually damaged some of my relationships to the point where recent relationships I had with friends that I had been friends with for, I'm talking, years, our relationship ended because of the way they disregarded my feelings about things. But I also came to an accountability point, and I realized that I'm an Aquarius, by the way, so that whole autonomy thing is huge, FYI, um, for... uh, Lee Williams, who put in Capricorns. By the way, some of the zodiac stuff is pretty interesting because when I read about Aquarians, a lot of that is me to a T. But with that being said, um, I took accountability for the fact that though I held them accountable for the fact that they disregarded my feelings and really hurt me in a way that other people had never hurt me because I allowed myself to be vulnerable to them, I also realized part of that issue was the fact that I failed to be honest about the fact that I've always held behind my own veil about my own emotional insecurities. Um, I'm the person that will always suffer in silence. That was the way that I approached things. And I've, and this is a person who's a therapist telling you that. And I realize it's one of my shortcomings, but I also realize you just can't be wide open with everybody. So you pick and choose who you can be vulnerable with. So for me and my secure attachment style, I realized that because I often didn't say to people or share how I felt, it also ruined those relationships and making people understand what I needed from them, and this is what's key. Who is guilty? Raise your hand. Of you don't want to say what you need because you're afraid one, um, you don't want to seem like the person who needs too much. That's you know, you're just you're too clingy, codependent. You know all these kind of things. And sometimes those of us that have been raised to be independent, we confuse independence with being emotionally intelligent. And that's things I've talked about before in the past is being comfortable and understanding how you feel, what makes you happy and what's your shortcomings, but being also to connect with others. So in my secure attachment style, remember, if you want more about this, listen to episode four, but also you can go to mayakai.com and go to the podcast resource section. And there's whole articles you can read about it that will let you dig deeper into it. Because if you're raising kids, I think understanding attachment styles could be huge for you so you can understand how you can build them up or how you also could be tearing them down by being over too overbearing with emotion or being too detached and free. The helicopter person versus the, you know, the free range parent. Striking a balance is huge, but you also understanding the nature of your child's personality is key. And ask yourself, am I parenting the way that I was parented? And if I am, is that the right thing to do? That's a real big question when you decide to procreate and bring forth into the world your own is, there's never 100% right about parenting. There's no handbook on this, but there are some things you can do right. So the thing that I learned about me is that in being secure in my attachment style, everyone can lean into Maya, Maya is there. And that's another thing that hurt me in my friendships that I ended was that Maya was there. And they thought so little of my feelings when they decided to do something that I thought was so crash. And the thing about it was, it wasn't the first time. I should have called it. So what did I learn and how have I grown? I had another relationship with somebody, a friendship, who I felt like she only called me when she needed to complain or harp. I have another person like this that I have to sit down and we have to have an open, honest conversation because the things she does to me, people do to her and she vents about it to me, which is interesting. So I decided that I would just push her away. Maybe she was someone who didn't need to be in my life as a friend. That wasn't the right thing to do because she wasn't necessarily a bad person. So when the opportunity presented itself, I told her and she was floored. She said, i never knew you felt that way. I said, yeah, this is how I feel. And I gave her examples of what had happened and why I felt that way. And she goes, why didn't you tell me? And you know what? I, I said, flat out, you're right. It was my fault. I should have told you that you made me feel that way when you kept doing this or when this would happen, you know, we never had a follow through on this but you could always call me when you needed me for something. And so with that being said, we began to work on our friendship again With honesty, the hardest thing and the reason most people struggle in most of their professional, pervasive, and even, you know, personal and private relationships is because that transparency and honesty is hard to do. I always say to people, if being honest was easy, people wouldn't lie. We just all tell the truth. We know what the truth sometimes can come consequences. So with that being said, when you understand your attachment style, it can probably help you to understand how you interact in your, in your more intimate relationships with people, how you are, when you're a parent, how you are, when you have to deal with your parents, how you interact with your friends, how you are at work, all of a sudden, I guarantee you, your inside emotions will be illuminated because you'll understand yourself better. Now, The other piece to this, because I want to keep this under 20 minutes, because it's just a reflection from episode four, which I will continue to do, is that your language of love, and your language of love, this is so interesting, is that it's often how you need people to interact with you or to respond with you to feel as if you are, have meaning and value to them. And I wanna make sure I don't miss any of these because there's a couple. There are, there are five languages of love. There's words of affirmation, meaning, are you that person, and I don't want you to think about people that you are with, just think about yourself. Are you a person that they say actions don't speak louder than words in this case? You need to hear from someone. I appreciate you did that for me. Um, how many people say, I just need you to say you love me. Why is that so hard? Guess what? Your person's language of love Might be that they have a hard time telling you that because that's something that they didn't get, so they can't give it to you. So there's ways that you can grow beyond yourself and help those important people in your life also grow. So just know, are you the person that at work, you just kind of want somebody to be like, you know, you did that extra mile and you would appreciate it. Someone be like, thank you. I appreciate you did that. And that's it. That's it. Now, mind you, a bonus usually makes you feel equally as good. But I'm just saying, do you kind of need your ego to be stroked with words? And if it is, it's not bad because you're the person that actions don't speak louder than words. The other one is quality time. Now, mind you, there can be a mixture to this a little bit, but I guarantee you, you are one more than the other. Quality time. Quality time is, for you, it's about the time someone takes to spend time with you and they use it With respect and appreciation. How many times have you ever been someplace and you'll see people who can't take their their face out their cell phone and they're sitting at a dinner table? And my thing is like, you can't put your phone away for dinner to just sit down and connect with the person that you're with. Because whoever you're, whatever you're looking at the phone, you can connect with it later. You'd be surprised how many people just can't focus on what's in front of them because they're so caught up in other things. But what they don't realize is how disrespectful that might be to the person that they're with. That if we arrange to go on a date, or if i'm if I'm supposed to be with my kids doing something and I'm focused, I keep I'm at you know I keep looking at my phone because work is contacting me, but I'm supposed to be doing something with my child. Don't think they're not aware of the fact that you're not dialed into the time that you're spending with them. So are you a person that quality time means something to you? Receiving gifts, Um, For some people who might think that some people are gold diggers, it's not necessarily true. For some people, the idea of receiving gifts makes them feel appreciated and loved. And this often comes from the way that they they were actually raised. That their parents who maybe were so busy doing their work Um, compensated with always buying them things, opposed to spending time or being present in different ways. So they assume you show me that you love me because, or you care about me, or that I'm appreciated because you buy me things. Now, if you're asking how does this translate over into um, other relationships besides personal relationships, think about your private relationships. So for instance, um, for some people, if it's Mother's or Father's Day and it's just totally blown off for your birthday, and this could be for your friends as well, you might be like, wow, I didn't even get a happy birthday. Really? And and more than that, it might just be someone gives you a simple gift, and you're like, wow. And it's not so much what people give you when you're a person about receiving gifts. So let's not confuse the gold digging thing with actually liking to receive things. It might just be that someone thought about you. So it might be like, hey, um, my friend, for instance, a good friend of mine said, I've got a friend who sells cosmetics, and I bought some some lip gloss. And I had a picture a couple days ago. She goes, here, I got this one for you. I thought it'd be nice on you. And I'm not a receiving gifts person, but I was like, oh man, thank you. That's so cool that you thought that this would be good for me. So some people, it's just those small things to know that you thought of them and you put a little effort into the thought is what does it for them. Acts of service. Oh, wow. This is one that gets people. Are you that person that it is in what you say, but it is what you do that makes a difference. And acts of services, you know, how many times if you heard a spouse or significant other say, why can't you just take out the trash or do the dishes? Because maybe I'm the person that always does it, but maybe I'm having a hectic time at week or a lot of stuff is going on with the kids or whatever. And if you just could kind of help me out without me having to ask, that's what it is. You help, you get something you need without having to ask for it. That shows the value and appreciation. So acts of service may be your thing. And physical touch. And this may be a lot of people. Some people can't stand the eye being touched. Think about people who love PDA. Not the kind of PDA which you're like, get a room PDA. But just like the idea of being hugged or kissed, some people love that. It makes them feel so appreciated. So without ever saying a word or doing any of other things, just by, like, grabbing someone's hand and be like, hey, you okay? How, you, how are you, how you doing? Physical touch for a lot of people is something that creates such stability for them. Um, A lot of people struggle with this because let's be honest, we come from families where the whole physical touch thing, hugs and kisses, wasn't necessarily their family thing. So they may struggle with receiving it from someone who's like that. Or more importantly, they may struggle with giving it to someone who might need it because they're not comfortable. And these are all things to think about. What is your language of love? And more importantly, if you happen to have children, a significant other or other family members, what is theirs? What is theirs? And are you equally giving them what they need to be happy and to feel appreciated and loved? These are small things that people never think about because no one ever fleshed it out and said, what's your language of love? But these are things that truly affect the way we interact and communicate with people. Communication will be a whole nother podcast I'll talk about. And there are ways that people communicate and you'll be like, spot on. That's me. I do it all the time. I'm guilty of it. Or. I don't mean to be like that, but now that I've read that description, I'm pretty sure that it's me. So you would say, Maya, when this is all said and done, what is your language of love? I have to say that I'm a person that's probably more about acts of service, so to speak, I get real uncomfortable when people get too lovey-dovey, like with words and physical touch. Though in my old age, I've come to appreciate it a little bit more. Um, I would say 10, 15 years ago, um, I didn't. And I'll tell you when I learned more about my language of love is when I went through a divorce. Because I'll be honest, I pretty much went into it not knowing any of those things about myself, but when I left out of it what I learned about myself, I wasn't busy looking at what exactly didn't go right on the other person's side. I was like, what was I accountable for? And what was I not honest about? And honestly, it was my emotions that I wasn't honest about and what my needs were emotionally. So with that being said, for me, words of affirmation, I find are the things that work more for me. And it's not saying that you have to be, oh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't need that. So it's, it's not so much, I'm like, that's not my thing. It's the acts of service. I'm more about just, show me, not necessarily tell me words. Because, you know, you do have people that will say anything to you, but their actions don't back it up. So if I had to pick two, I'd be like, well, you can tell me something, but what you do needs to back it up. You don't ever have to buy me a thing. But if you treat me good as a person, that shows me that you actually respect and care about me. And this is where people will often fail. What's more important to you? Do you need to hear the words? But if they don't do it, you're okay with it. It just smooths everything over. Or is it just the opposite? So figure out what your, you know, your language of love is and ask yourself, is it being fulfilled? Figure out your attachment style and say, based on what I've just learned about myself, how has this permeated through my entire life, especially now in key relationships? But more importantly, how has it affected me? Because we're talking about that first relationship realm, which is you, me, myself, and I. It's your entourage. How do you interact with you? And it's so interesting that people don't want to be objective because it's hard, opposed to saying, if I'm objective, this is going to help me to better understand myself and have a healthier, fuller life, or maybe be a better parent and understand oh, geez, maybe I miss this with my kid. Maybe I should ask some questions like, Can I ask you a question? Um, Does it bother you when I do this? And they may say, well, actually, yeah, it does. I just didn't bother to tell you. Okay. Well, could you bother to tell me? Beginning to open those dialogues with significant people in your life, you don't have to have them with everybody, will be the difference in the quality of life that you live. And it will be the thing that will help you to stop self-sabotaging yourself. It will help you to have stop having self-doubt because you will under- begin to understand the things that you do and why you do them and to be able to have a corrective action, so to speak. But if you keep living in the dark, if you stay behind the veil and you don't address what your own issues are, people always want to focus on what someone else should do different opposed to what they should be doing different and how you impacted the situation. Remember, you can't fix anybody else. You can only be accountable for your own actions and you should always be doing a survey when something goes right as well as when something goes wrong. What was my part in this? What did I do right? And better yet, the next time that happens, what could I do differently if I had a do-over? And does in the reflection point, does it mean maybe you warrant someone an apology because of how you responded? You'd be surprised when people come back and apologize for their shortcomings and they do it from a place of honesty and transparency and say, you may not want to hear what I have to say, but I need to apologize because I've been doing some self-reflection and I realize I did something that was so disrespectful to you. It doesn't mean that we're going back to where we were, because maybe that's not where we need to be. But at least I want you to know that I'm aware that I've done something that wasn't right by you. And you know what? You can choose to not talk to me again, or maybe our relationship is just where it is and it can't get better. But I want you to know that I'm aware. But you can't know you're aware until you do the heavy lifting for yourself. That's episode four of Maya my ambition, your ambition, which is called you, me, myself and I, it's your entourage. Get familiar with yourself because I guarantee you it will change so much in your life. You can always click the link above and go listen to episode four, which I was rusty at because it was too much time in between the previous three, but I'm back into the swing of things now. So check out episode four. Remember you can go to mayakai.com and you can um, listen to all of my shows there, as well as I'm available in the iTunes podcast session, as well as Google Play. And um, I'm missing one more Google Play. And there's one more place you could. Oh, and iHeart. How could I? How oh, God forbid? I'm also in iHeart Radio podcast sections as well. So you can always check them out that way. If you're if you subscribe to any of those things and check out my podcast, you can always get an alert like, "Hey, guess what? Maya's talking like she knows something again." And uh, give me your feedback. Um, I love everyone who. De- Decided to chime in. Like I said, this is called Maya Reflection, which will happen every Wednesday after each episode to reflect on some of the things that people bounce back at me. Because remember, it's about us growing together. I have to share parts of how I've grown to help you understand how you can grow as well. So everybody, make sure you go listen to episode four um, on mayakai.com or iTunes, Google Play, or iHeartReady podcast, um, and sit tight and wait for episode five, which is going to expand on your entourage a bit more because. I'm going to give you a tool that if you want to know what other people think about you, and don't say you're one of those people that says, I don't care what people think about me, because you do care about what someone thinks, just not what everyone thinks. I'm going to give you a tool that if you're brave enough, you can share to see how other people perceive you versus how you perceive yourself. And this might help in a growth point, because understanding how you project to others opposed to how you perceive you are. Remember, perception is reality. And part of growth is being objective, and hearing what others think to help you figure out why is there such a disconnect in how I think I am and others think that I am. But that's it for this. My reflection, everybody. Check out episode four. And until next time, everybody, remember, your present becomes your past and your future is no more. So every day, make the most of it because it counts. All right, everybody. That's it for me. Until next time. Um, stay safe. Have a happy 4th of July. Please be safe and don't get too excited um, about, you know, it being the 4th of July. Remember, we're still dealing with some things with COVID-19, so keep yourself safe. Don't get reckless out there, all for some fireworks and some libations. All right, until next time, everybody, have a good one. Get inspired, get motivated with Maya Akai and the Maya my Ambition, Your Ambition podcast. Something that I take pride in is trying to be forward-thinking, thinking outside the box, challenging myself. And as I challenge myself, hopefully I challenge you. Find Maya on Twitter and Instagram at Maya underscore Akai. On Facebook at Maya Akai Presents. With the new iPhone SE for less than 100 bucks at Metro, you rule. It's the most affordable iPhone on the number one brand in prepaid. So whether you're studying online or FaceTiming, Hey, Mom. Hi, dear. The iPhone SE has all you need. Switch to Metro and get the iPhone SE for 99 dollars after rebate redemption and six months of service with AutoPay. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. Limit one per account slash household requires port and ID validation. Not valid for numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Zenny's Blox lenses help to protect the eyes by keeping harmful blue light out. Because they're virtually clear, add blocks to any Zenni frame for stylish, all-day protection. Get a complete pair of prescription or non-prescription blocks glasses starting at just $24. Protect your eyes now at zenni.com.